You're listening to Project Palladium. This is a podcast brought to you by high school students who are interested in gaining a deeper understanding of the world around them. And today, when I walked into the office today, I noticed it was incredibly messy. And then I remembered last week we never got a chance to finish packing up from the project we were working on after school. And when I reflected on that day, I realized there were many moments throughout that day that were story-worthy moments we can look back on in the future and just think about all the things that happened that day and what we accomplished, what didn't go well, what did go well, and just reflect. Hi, my name is Chow. My name is Ronald. I think about those story-worthy moments because I recently finished the book Story-Worthy by Matthew Dix, and he goes over his experience telling stories, and he tells the reader and teaches the reader how they can get better at telling stories. I think storytelling certainly is a... It's important skill to have, especially in, in what we do right now in podcasting, right? A very important skill. I mean, he even says it in the book. It's like this is a skill that help you in all facets of life, whether it be casual, professional. So, according to the book, what is something that makes a story story worthy? A story becomes story worthy if there's a notable change within the story, and he in the book he calls it the five second moment. So it's that moment where something drastically changes, or there's a drastic realization in someone's life. I think he also talked about how even major things may not be the five seconds that you're looking for. Exactly. Right. So I think one of the examples in the book that that is most memorable to me will be the story that he told about the car accident he got in. But he said that car accident is actually not the five seconds. So I think that's where it's interesting. I think a judgment on what's considered the five seconds is it's difficult to figure out. It is. So what are some tips he gave out? Do you remember? He makes it clear that stories about traveling and getting drunk, those <laughs> are not stories, and those don't really count because everyone has those stories. No one really cares. It's yeah, there's nothing to them really. What makes them not good stories? The main thing with the vacation stories is that it just becomes a chronological order of what they did mm, essentially true. just becomes like an itinerary he says like oh true, I, I started true, here true. then i did this then i did this and so it's like yeah that's great but i wasn't there so and i can't really true. experience that with you so i don't really not that you don't care but it's just you don't really feel any emotion you're not being led on a certain path like there's no substance to the story in a sense it's just recounting what happened I've tried cheese with uh, strawberries. That's an awakening. Not gonna lie. It depends That's, which cheese. Uh, blue cheese. So does that count? If there is that moment that I can continue that story and then change my life's appreciation, does that count as a five-second moment? Yes. If you craft the story properly, he says that could be a five-second moment. That's actually one of the things he stresses. After you find that, find that five-second moment. Yeah. It's crafting the story around it. Um, mm, right. And when he says when you're looking for one, it can be those little things. A lot of his stories are actually the little things within something bigger. So you mentioned the car crash. Like he, his story is incredibly epic, but the actual thing that happens is a very small part of the entire story. Right. So it's those small things. So yet that actually could be a story. I think when you talk about s small moments that becomes a big story, to me, I think the, the most notable one that I remember from the book is when he talks about a hug that his daughter gave him. And he starts thinking about that probably 
as she grows older, he's going to have less and less hugs from his daughter. And that is indeed a very small moment. But like you said, the story that he crafted around that moment is big and certainly waits the five seconds. Yeah, and the way he crafted it, I felt like I was in his shoes because he described his arm was hurting, his knees right. were hurting. Like, yeah. And goes back to your idea that he's getting old and she's getting older as well. Yeah. So not only can he not physically hold her soon, but she's going to grow out of being able to be held in his arms right. like that. Right. So Besides the five seconds, is there anything else that he talked about that would make a, make a great story? Yeah, so before we even start the story, he recommends, don't say this is going to be the funniest story ever or this is gonna be the best story ever what you're doing is you're setting the expectations way too high and now the person is going to be severely disappointed when you ultimately tell a terrible story thank god i didn't really uh say this is going to be the best show ever exactly at the of this episode. yeah because now as the listener you're thinking okay i i want an amazing story right right so that's one thing he says not to do the second thing he recommends at the beginning of the story is to start with movement and a setting so mm. He mentions this movie. It starts in a helicopter and you're flying towards an island. So you get right. an idea of the setting and there's movement. I can see how setting is important because you want to bring uh, the, the listener a sense of uh, location, right? So you're like, oh, I'm in a forest or I'm in a park or I'm in a restaurant. Like all of that, the, the listeners can sort of build that environment in their heads, exactly. right? The smell, the lighting, whatever. Can I understand movement as in it would take the listener into the story being yes, part of the story exactly and it helps create that mental model and it's also just more captivating as the listener because like you said maybe you start in the forest and matthew starts starts off i was running in the forest or running through the forest and i was jumping over these logs and listening to the birds chirp and or whatever yeah now you're thinking to yourself why is he running why is he in a forest where is he running to and it's just creating this mental model and as he's telling the movement and explaining the setting He's also in the present tense because you want to make the reader feel as if they're running through the forest. They're present. Exactly. They're present in the story. And when you go out of present tense, it takes the reader or the listener out of the story as well. So mm -hmm. it's very important, he says, to stay within the present tense and start off with that movement. I do remember he was actually, he gave a very specific example of how he was changing between present tense and past tense to sort of even using that idea to give the contrast, right? Given the contrast of there are these moments I want the I want the listener to be with me. Yes. And there are moments I actually want them to stay away. Yes. So that 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 pull and push within the story gives almost like an energy yes. of the listener being like, Oh, I'm relaxed. But no 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 I have to be pull, pulled back in by the storyteller. So you're going back and forth, back and forth. So not only from a story perspective, but it almost gives give a physical reaction. Yes. Can you say? Yes. He talks about the physical reaction and staying on that idea of uh, pulling you in and pulling you out. Yeah. He calls that time traveling. Ooh. And like you're almost doing magic in a sense. Like you're putting them in this moment and then you're just like, okay, this is back into me right. speaking. And then, right. okay, you're back into this moment. And, and as you're going back and forth between present in the story and present in real life mm. he says there are a few things that you should avoid doing okay and that would immediately take the reader out of the story yeah and that's asking rhetorical questions he mentions that first off and he's like this is a major thing because if you're in the middle of a story and then he, he asks you a rhetorical question you're immediately taken out of the story because now you're focusing on the question at hand in, in the true. present moment 
it's like that psychological test where they asking you to not to think about a pink elephant. The first thing that you think about is a pink elephant. Yep. So that rhetorical question actually takes you out of the moment, rather than being with the storyteller the entire time. On that same token of not trying to think about something, he says, "Don't address the audience or acknowledge their existence." You know, treat it almost like a movie. Like a movie, mm. a movie doesn't talk to you. Right. You're just watching the movie. So treat it like that. Don't interact or have props. That's another thing. Don't use props because <laughs> they have the they have the mental model in their head. Right, so let's right, back right. to the movie analogy. They're watching the movie in their head. Right. And so if you have props, you're distracting them from the movie. So it's like that fourth wall. I don't know if you know, like, terminology yeah. of the fourth breaking wall. Breaking the fourth wall. The breaking the fourth wall. Yeah. So storytelling is actually you're trying to not to break the fourth wall as well. Yes. That's a very interesting concept because you're thinking that if I'm telling a story, if I'm talking to a group of people, there is no fourth wall since I'm talking to you directly. directly. Yeah, exactly. And to sort of form that fourth wall first and to sort of almost isolate and prevent that interaction to keep your story safe, to yeah. keep your story... Yeah, keep it safe. Keep it... In, don't pop the bubble, as he mm. says. Right. You don't want right, to pop right. that mental bubble. Right. So do you think Storyworthy is worth a read? I definitely think it's worth a read. There's so many things that you can apply to your life and that when you start watching things or listening to people talk, you'll pick up on those things. So immediately after I finished the book, yeah. my history teacher actually told a story about something and I was just picking up on all the things <laughs> <laughs> Matthew Dix actually said not to do. And I was just yeah. like, <laughs> I was just like deducting points as if I was testing him. And it's just interesting. Very good. Yeah. And it's, it's just so true. It's like right. so people commonly make these mistakes. And if you haven't right. read the book, you, right. you'd be completely oblivious right. to these. So. But don't you agree that in, in some sense, a lot of times storytelling or in his format of storytelling, it's, it's hard work. It is. It's, it's, it's a lot of work to get into that. So to keep track of all these points, it's exhausting. It is. And what makes it even harder is he says to not memorize your story. Have an idea of where you want to go, but don't memorize it. Just go off the cuff. So that makes it even more taxing on the brain because right. you're juggling so many different ideas, humor, syntax, grammar, right. Right. and plus the story where the elements on top of that and then managing the crowd. There's just a lot going on. So it's very creatively taxing. So at the beginning of the show, I sort of see what you did there. You had a few comments about our office. I see some tactics that you use, as you, you said, you as you stepped into the office and you noticed the messy office. I wonder if the the listeners had that you know picture of our office. I think what m would have made that intro better is if I described exactly how things were. If I said, "Oh, this paper was flipped over and it's not in its file cabinet," <laughs> or you know, the computers are, were left turned on right. overnight, right. you could start to piece together in your head things happening but i just said i stepped in that was okay but yeah if i were to revise the story i would pick up on ideas such as that since i love our office a lot i think you really should have mentioned you know how the fact that we have you know a 65 inch tv and a lot of led lights yeah it looks like a tiktok <laughs> room thank you for joining us for our, the second episode of the book series where Michelle and i talked about one of our favorite books, Story Worthy. If you have any comments, concerns, questions, please email us at element at shamanat-hs.org or visit our website. Element.shamanat-hs.org.